Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Objective Health. Uh, my name is Elliot. I'm going to be your host for today and I'm joined in the virtual studio by Doug, Erica and Tiff. Hello. As usual, we have Damien in the background. Hello. And in today's show, we are going to be talking about a recent development that one of the COVID vaccines, the one uh, by Pfizer, the mRNA vaccination, has officially been uh, granted emergency use authorization by the FDA. This came in on October the 29th. Um, and like they had previously granted emergency author- use authorization for adults, now um, we see that this authorization is for children aged 5 to 11. So in other words, they're going to start jabbing kids between the ages of 5 to 11 in a very short period of time, like uh, very soon, basically. Now, we know that um, there are various states and other countries who are looking at mandatory vaccines in schools. We've spoken about on the show previously how, uh, is it Gavin Newsom in uh, California had openly stated that he was going to start mandating vaccines in schools. And so this not only applies now to 12-year-olds, but we see that the, uh, the bar has been set lower and children of any age above five uh, are going to be vaccinated, assuming the parents take them to get vaccinated. So in this show, we're going to be talking about some of the potential risks of that, some analyses that have been done by uh, doctors and researchers in this field who think that this is a very bad idea. Now, we've spoken many times <laughs> on multiple shows over the past year or so how um the reasons why this is likely dangerous um not only for adults but especially for children Uh, and we see that looking at the risk benefit analysis it would seem as though the risks far outweigh the benefits so first of all um yeah there was this article uh, published it was speaking about the authorization for vaccinating this age group uh, but specifically looking at the safety uh, and in the article there's a there's a link to um to one of the FDA's like board meetings that occurred uh, last week I think it was it was like an 8 hour uh, meeting and it was uh, it was it was published on on online. Now, uh, in part of that meeting, there is a, a high FDA official or FDA advisor. His name is Dr. Eric Rubin of Harvard University. And at one point in this conference, he openly stated um, about the the when speaking about the safety of this vaccine. He explicitly said that we're never going to learn about how safe this vaccine is until we start giving it to kids. Okay. Because at the moment, at this moment in time, the only data that we have to work from is a very small safety study. Uh, This particular study was only just looking at 2,250 children. 
right? So we don't have any large-scale study on this. There is no long-term study whatsoever. And this particular study published by Pfizer um, as supposed proof for its um, its efficacy and its and its safety, uh, as I said, the, the population size was very small indeed, 2,250 children. Um, and there are numerous issues with that study to start off with. Um, but yeah, I, what, what do we think, first of all, about the concept of the FDA um, approving this for five to 11 year olds, guys? I'm against it. Surprise, surprise. Well, but, uh, yeah, I'm not surprised <laughs> at all that the FDA would approve it. I mean, they pretty much shown themselves to be evil so i'm not surprised yeah. at anything that they approve these days i mean just the basic facts on the ground that we know that officials have actually admitted to COVID is not very dangerous in children um especially healthy children children who don't have comorbidities it's it's almost like a hundred percent survival rate it's so high um and even the chance of them getting like landing in the hospital with it is is very low as well. So it's like if you're actually going to do a risk benefit analysis, it's like there's no risk of them getting COVID, the disease COVID. So why infer any risks? And I mean, no medication, no matter what anybody says, how anybody tries to portray it, no medication is 100% safe. There is always a chance that somebody is going to have a reaction, no matter how rare. So it's like, why then, if there is almost zero chance that these kids are going to die from COVID, then why risk vaccinating them when there is a risk that they're going to have uh, damage from the vaccines? It just makes, like, on the face of it, it makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, indeed. Uh, COVID is essentially non-existent in children, and any supposed COVID deaths that have occurred um, have generally occurred in children with multiple other comorbidities, right. such as long-term terminal cancer, mm -hmm. right, uh, and other various conditions, genetic conditions, which mean that these children are immunocompromised. Uh, as a general rule, children don't get this. And so, I mean, this was very much uh, demonstrated in the study which Pfizer did to... Uh, to use as evidence for the safety and eff effectiveness of, of, of the vaccine, right? So this particular study, as I said before, it was done on 2,250 children, right? Now, in the control group of the non-vaccinated, there were 16 cases of COVID, okay? Now, in the vaccinated group, there was three cases of COVID. And because of that, the vaccine was supposedly very effective, right? 90.7%. They said, okay, 90.7% effective because we have 16 people who got it and we only had three people in the vaccinated group who, um, who got COVID. So that must mean that the vaccine stopped them from getting it, right? However, what they failed to mention and probably the most uh, important aspect of the entire study was that there was not one single case of serious COVID in the entire population of, of, of the study. So out of the three children in the vaccinated group and the 16 children who got COVID in the non-vaccinated group, no one got sick, right? And they haven't explicitly said 
how they like actually determine whether the kids had COVID, I'm guessing it was through a PCR test. Right. Right. Uh, that's usually the way that they're looking at some, whether someone gets COVID. Now, as we know, PCR tests, uh, I mean, to labor the point, this is something that we talk about every week, but PCR <laughs> tests are fundamentally unreliable. First things first. Mm-hmm. Secondly, you can get numerous false positives, false negatives as well, but like a lot more false positives with a, with a PCR test than you would otherwise. And finally, um, if the kids got COVID and yet they didn't get sick, then it really like brings up the question as to why on earth they need a vaccine for this anyway. Mm -hmm. Right now, one could argue that it's a small population study size and that maybe if you'd have done a much larger study size that you may have found some kids with, um, who, who got very seriously ill, but statistically speaking, that is absolutely um, highly unlikely because statistically children don't get sick from COVID. So what they're doing is they've studied this vaccine for a disease that kids don't really, they're not really affected by. And they're coming up with statistics saying that something is 90% effective Again, there's very few children to measure this against, and we don't even know if they had COVID to begin with, right? So to me, it's so transparent that this is purely um, a business opportunity. They're opening up the market. They are not happy with the amount of vaccinate that are vaccinated currently. They want to generate more profit. They want everyone, as many people as possible, to be vaccinated, and the children are next on the list. There was an article. Like you, sorry, go ahead, Erica. Oh, I was just gonna say, like you said, Elliot, it's so apparent. I mean, we've been seeing the psychological buildup to this with children still needing to wear masks in schools until they can find a, a way to get them the vaccine. I mean, it it it's for people that are paying attention, it should seem pretty obvious. Like everyone knew that the FDA was going to pass this no matter what. And the, as you just described, the study was so ridiculous in so many ways that it it just boggles the mind that people can't see pretty clearly what's going on. And then the people involved as always, like Dr. Paul, Offit, who we've talked about in the past, who said that children could get a hundred thousand vaccines and be okay. Like just the players in this is like some bad dystopian movie to watch live. Yeah. Well, another thing that was interesting is uh, I know there's several places. It might be in the UK. I know in Washington D.C. they're trying to secretly make it so that underage children can. Uh, agree to getting a vaccine without their parents' permission. Mm -hmm. Like the doctor or caretaker that they're speaking with thinks that they are uh, mature enough to be making this decision and they gave them whatever information that they think they need to make this decision. A 11-year-old can decide to get a COVID vaccine without their parents knowing. It's just disgusting. It seems like modern day sacrifice to me. I know that sounds a little dramatic, but the fact that this entire panel with one exception agreed to it after spending hours reading through the information, all the discussion about the myocarditis, that they all agreed 
just speaks volumes that the fact yeah. that there wasn't a single dissenter saying, you know, let's hold off on this. Let's see, you know, maybe this uh, issue is going to, you know, that COVID-19 is going to peter out like children have robust immunity. They're responsible for, you know, helping adults with their immunity as well. I mean, there's just so many things that just, there's just red flags all over the place. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that they're just paid shills. Like at this point, you can't when you when you're sitting here and you're looking at the evidence, you know, you can't there's nobody in their right mind would make this decision if they weren't being paid to make this decision. I mean, you know, I don't have any proof, obviously, but it's just like it's so glaring. And, you know, I just I just looked it up. And so far in the U.S. So they always talk about how there has been 600 children who have died of covid under the age of 18. Well, they broke it down even further. This was in an article on uh, front, America's Frontline Doctors um, called We're Never Going to Learn About How Safe This Vaccine Is Unless We Start Giving It. FDA grants e- EUA uh, for children between 5 and 11. Um, and in it, they kind of they, they break down the numbers more and they actually say that within that age group of 5 to 11, there have been less than 100 deaths. Okay. And... Uh, yeah, at least 70% of the children in this age group who were hospitalized from, for COVID had other, at least one other serious comorbidity. Um, so it's like, yeah, I mean, with their, they're going to force vaccinate all these kids. I mean, they haven't talked about forcing it yet, except in California. But um, because of 100 deaths, it's like, when did, when did like this massive uh, medical... Uh, tyranny have to come down because of a hundred deaths, you know, not to belittle those deaths or anything like that. Of course, dead children is a bad thing, but I mean, we're talking, we're not talking about healthy children for one thing. And it's like, why subject everyone to a risky medical procedure for essentially no reason? Because there's been a hundred deaths. It just does. It, it just, anybody who's looking at this data, honestly, uh, can't come to the conclusion that these, that the FDA has come to. So well, one of the arguments that they made is um, so the kids don't transmit it to their grandma. But they know that's a scam, grandma. too. <laughs> yeah. They you know, know that's a scam, too. Scam. But grandma's been triple and quadruple vaccinated. You know, <laughs> well, Not only mean? that, like... but they actually found, uh, I don't know if I'll be able to find it right now, but they actually, they, they, they found that the kids don't pass it on to the parents. The kids, you know, because uh, the same thing that's making them essentially immune to it or or close to immune to it is because they have an immune system that can deal with it. So that means they're not passing it on. They aren't infecting grandma. It's just it's it's there's no excuse. <laughs> there's just no excuse. Yeah, it's Unless really hard he, to talk he, about this and try to get use angry. logic yeah. in any way whatsoever because yeah. it's so obviously just a. Uh, can I just say they're trying to kill everybody? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's, sacri- it's modern day sacrifice. I'm with you, Tiffany. It makes me so mad. I, I mean, just think they don't. Absolutely no sense whatsoever. There's no way you can justify it in any sense of the word. Yeah, I think they just don't see past the dollar signs. I don't know if anybody's maliciously trying to kill kids. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. But uh, I think. Uh, the more obvious reasoning is just that they don't care and they're going to make a lot of money out of this. Or they've been so brainwashed by all the 
Science. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you know long I mean? that excuse can get kind of be trotted out. Maybe, yeah. maybe, but like that, you would have to have pretty serious blinders on to be to not be able to see this kind of stuff just by if you actually are honestly reading these studies and have any kind of uh, scientific uh, literacy at all. I don't see how they could come to the conclusion that they've come to. Yeah. Well, the UK had a vaccine advisory panel and they did not recommend jabbing kids, well, at least kids aged between 12 and 15. Hmm. There's a little bit of sense over there, but over here, apparently everyone is so incredibly retarded or <laughs> just so completely bought and paid for that there really are no honest people with integrity in any of these uh, health agencies anymore. Yeah. Maybe they all quit or just left or. Or as Doug was saying, it is that cradle to grave, you know, marketplace. Like if, you know, we, we do this now and then, you know, already, I think the, the childhood diseases of like autoimmune disease, cancer, all these different things is like 45% of children of the world are suffering from something already. And now we're going to throw this into the mix. Like, that's what I always share with people about Anthony Fauci in the United States. It's like, look at the the health of the average child since he's been in his position since 1984, ironically. Look at the health of Americans' children. You know what I mean? It gets worse. We see more allergies. We see more disabilities. And shouldn't that speak for itself? I mean, I know people don't really look into those kinds of things, but it should speak for itself. The health of the average American child, at least right now with him being in control for 40 years should speak volumes to people. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's very unfortunate, but it seems as though most of the officials in the U S are, are heavily corrupted. Um, but on the topic of, killing children uh or dead children there is a pretty good analysis which was done uh basically when we're looking at this concept of them introducing a drug or a vaccine like uh to be able to work out whether that's safe or not that there's there's a variety of different calculations that generally need to be made um and toby rogers who is a some kind of PhD. I think his PhD is some kind of biosciences or pharmaceutical development or something. He, um, so he, he basically broke this down for the average reader. And he explains that for the FDA, CDC, that there's these specific like standards that need to be met to determine that a drug is worth bringing to market. Now, one of those is like, the risk reduction. So how much it reduces risk of contracting the disease. That's one thing that's pretty obvious. There's also how many people um, will die based on the amount of people that will be saved, right? So for instance, you say for COVID, you, you, you come up with a very basic calculation. And in the article, it's titled a risk benefit analysis of Pfizer COVID vaccine in children five to 11 fails. Uh, that's on SOT at the moment. So if you want to go into all the details of that article, like 
I highly recommend it. Yeah. But basically, like, what 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 he's saying is that they for COVID, you know, you bring a drug out, a drug out for kids, a vaccine, you need to be able to demonstrate for that to be accepted by the FDA and 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 kind of authorized. You need to be able to demonstrate that it saves more lives than it causes deaths. I mean, you would think of any drug, that's kind of what your aim is. Yeah, you, you want to be able to do that. You, you don't want it to be the other way around, right? I mean, what would be the point of coming out with a drug that killed more people than it actually saved? Well, of course, there's profit, right? But to the ordinary person, that sounds absolutely ludicrous. But based on this analysis, looking at the risks as we've spoken about looking at the very low likelihood that a child would get COVID and even less likelihood that they die from it, comparing that with the adverse events or the expected adverse events statistically from the vaccination itself. So from the drug based on this particular calculation, this PhD uh, came to the conclusion that for every one life that the vaccine saves, 117 more children must die statistically, right? Yeah. So, you know, the vaccine as per the side effects, which, and this is, this is based on very conservative estimates. Like he was, he was citing numerous studies and he basically explicitly, well, he said in this article, he says, this is a very conservative estimate. The number could be significantly higher, but best case possible scenario based on all the data available is that the side effects or adverse events, there would be at least 117 children who are going to die from having that vaccine compared to how many that vaccine will supposedly save. So like at the moment, it is absolutely 100% criminal that they have accepted this. And what he's saying uh, in the article is that they've not done these kind of calculations. And that's really odd because ordinarily they would be doing those these kind of calculations uh, for every single drug that comes out. But for these ones, they didn't. They missed them out. And some of the calculations that they did do on relative risk, they were using data from much older individuals because we don't have any on children. So basically all of the they've really taken like a backdoor route in getting this thing all authorized and it's not gone through the ordinary channels. The, the standards uh, have, have not been met kind of thing. They've been violated and, um, and it's, it's purely a criminal enterprise at this point, because if anyone did actually look at the data, it would be clear this vaccine would never get to market. It would never be allowed to be injected into kids because it's far more dangerous and this is a fact. It's far more dangerous than it than it would help any child. Yep. Well, not that anyone should be surprised that these major drug corporations are playing with their data when they conduct these trials. But the fact that Pfizer did not even do this risk-benefit model, this particular one that you were talking about, it just screams corruption and fraud and i don't know if the average person i mean there's so much that seems obvious to us that the average person doesn't see or doesn't care to look for but 
the average person isn't going to know that they didn't do these calculations and their data no. was pretty much unusable or limited at best. I mean, there's well, really not much else to say. The thing is that it goes against their, the standards of the CDC and the FDA. Like they, mm -hmm. they, th those are their standards that you do those kinds, kinds of analyses and they just haven't been done. I mean, what does that tell you? Yeah, and it took an outside source, this this Toby Rogers guy, to do it and <laughs> lay out the numbers. Uh, I tried to check him out on Twitter. It turns out that he's no longer available on yeah. Twitter. He had his account deleted. <laughs> he's been deleted from social media. I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> he does have a sub stack, though, um, with a lot of good articles on it, so people should check it out, actually. Toby Rogers. I think he's called Dr. Toby Rogers on there. But... Uh, yeah, it's worth checking out because he's he's got some hard data to back up what he's saying. Well, another interesting thing about this whole rollout for vaccines for kids is that now they're having these advertising campaigns. Um, there's one campaign that's running and it's they say something like kids have strokes, too. Huh. Like when the uh, COVID vaccine was first coming out for adults, there were these commercials that were running about uh, people having sudden heart attacks who didn't have any symptoms or people dying in their sleep mysteriously. And there were these articles about um, adult, like the equivalent of SIDS for kids, but I forgot what they called it for adults, sudden adult death syndrome or something like that. SADS. But yeah. Yeah, now they're having this campaign uh, talking about signs of stroke in children. And we all know that uh, clotting issues, strokes, heart attacks, myocarditis, and all of that are side effects of these injections. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like they're priming the population. Yeah. Don't be surprised, it. right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like I think we spoke about in a previous show um, – there was not not long after the FDA had granted uh, authorization for use in 12-year-olds and above. Uh, very shortly after that, one of the other big pharmaceutical companies had um, the first ever, what was it, anticoagulant, mm -hmm. was it anti anti-thrombotic medication specifically for children was also, was also authorized and brought to market. And it's like, that is completely coincidental, surely. <laughs> I mean, that's 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 like you're giving out a treatment or a treatment, a medical uh, experiment, poison, which is known to cause thrombotic events in children. And then you go ahead and approve a drug, which is the first ever one to treat that. I mean, how stupid must they think that people are? I mean, how stupid must people be? Yeah, that's the not question. to see the pattern, <laughs> right? I, I, yeah, it, take back what I first said because there's a lot of people who buy into it, and and at this point, it's it's so glaringly obvious that if you if you can't see, then I don't know if you'll ever see. Um, but again, like like you were saying, Tiff, there there there's these um, they they're trying to they're talking about the the. Children getting these kind of side effects or or these 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 symptoms, 
Um, in in one of the quotes of the FDA, one of the FDA doctors or FDA advisors, I think it was, uh, he was he was saying, well, um, the risk of myocarditis is it is high in in the vaccinated population. But also, we must not forget the viral infection also causes uh, myocarditis in children. And in fact, I think that uh, that the COVID, the myocarditis caused by COVID is much worse than the myocarditis (laughs) caused by the vaccine. It's just like that's that Dr. Offit guy. That's the Dr. Offit guy you're talking about. I mean, the, the slinger of BS for. God knows how long. Just <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. Uh, um, what that what it's, it's very obvious that what they tried to do is they tried to downplay um, and minimize the long term effects of vaccine induced myocarditis and say, oh no, it's just transient. Whereas there's n- actually no evidence yeah. for that. <laughs> there's no evidence yeah. for it being transient. There are numerous cardiologists who will say that if you get myocarditis, that is a long-term mega health issue, like very, very severe. Um, But at the same time, what they're doing, not only are they downplaying the vaccine-induced myocarditis, but they are kind of, um, you know, fear-mongering about COVID-induced myocarditis, which I would be amazed if there's any children who've got this. You know, I haven't seen anything of any children who've got vac- uh, COVID-induced myocarditis. Give me, give me data on children who get this, the number of children who get this, who don't already have some kind of cardiovascular complication, right? Yeah. It's, it's like so unlikely and there's rarely anything because if there was, we'd have, to sh- have it shoved in our face. Um, and because they don't present any data or very little data, it tells us that there's not really much to go from. Mm-hmm. So uh, clearly a lot of it is propaganda. A lot of it is fear mongering at this point. And, um, and yeah, it looks like they're going ahead with it very soon. So we will be seeing children uh, from the age of five being vaccinated within the next couple of weeks, maybe, you know, maybe before Christmas, but certainly within the new year. Well, and I did read somewhere and I don't have it in front of me, but right now, as far as parents are concerned, and this is probably just the United States, only about one third of parents are actually even considering this. So I think there is some uh, information enough out there. Like, it's funny, we've talked about for years, this whole vaccine thing. And I think a lot of people weren't interested in it now. All of a sudden it's everywhere all the time and the children, they're going to get jabbed, the kids. But I think that that one third, and I wish I had the stats on that is that's not very good for them. You know, it's not like two thirds of parents are like going to run out and get it. But I think the timing's interesting too, like holidays, you know, Christmas, and if you want to see granny and all that, like, let's just rush it through like they've done with everything. Before people have a chance to like watch, you know, the band YouTube videos of God knows what, all the different people that have been taken down, you know, let's just push it out there, rush it through, say kids got to have it for school and this and that to just get people to comply. And then we see the narrative start to come out and everything falls apart. But if they rush it to people and people don't have time to think they're in that fear mindset you know what I'm saying? They're, they're more apt to take it. But the longer this kind of, as we're seeing more and more people, even vaccinated people are coming out saying, you know, 
there shouldn't be mandates, people who should have a choice, you know, the, the tide is changing. And I think they really want to get this out there and get into the kids before, you know, they have this parental awakening happening and you're already seeing it, you know, that's just my take. <laughs> yeah. Well, is there yeah. a trial going on for even younger kids? Like yeah, they want to do six months. six months. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So yeah, I think we, so. Yeah, we can expect approval for that in the future. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, you know, just just what uh, Dr. McCullen had said a while back about giving it to pregnant women. Like, never before in history have we ever injected pregnant women with an experimental vaccine. And now we're just, you know, gung-ho. Well, let's just see, you know, let's just see how it works out. And I have a feeling it's not going to work out very well, you know? Okay, so uh, yeah, just to update on the on the children under five, so six months to five, to age five, I think they are doing the trial currently, um, and the data is expected. Or there's an article published in September. Um, they said that the data for that trial was expected to come in late October. Um, and it is a separate trial to the children, the COVID vaccine data between ages five to 11. So it looks like they may have already done the study and the data is being like put together. And within probably within this month or maybe next month, we will be seeing the um, we'll be seeing the results of that study. And uh, and yeah, yeah, you never know. The FDA will probably approve it for, for early new year and they'll be vaccinating babies. I'm sure the data from that particular study will be just as robust and scientifically accurate <laughs> as all the other data from all the, the trials that have been carried out to this date. So, yeah, we got that to look forward to. Right then. OK, well, um, I'm done on this topic for today. I think we I've, I've come this topic forever. Yeah. yeah for life. Too. I'm feeling like that as well. Um, but more just keeps coming. They just keep giving more. We can't get away from it. I know. I know. It's just more material every single week. We just cannot uh, help ourselves. Can we? Um, no, but in, in all seriousness, I, um, uh, I think I've said what needs to be said on this topic. Does anyone else have anything to add? Um, no, 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 I think you no. did a great job. No, I'm okay. That hasn't been said before a million <laughs> times. Just wait, parents, just wait, just, just hold out a little bit longer. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, okay, then. Well, thanks to our listeners, thanks for tuning in. If you like this video, please share it, um, and like our page, subscribe to us. Uh, and if that's all, then we will see you next week. Keep safe. Bye, everybody. Yeah.